Public execution. Public execution. Bring it back. Let's go. Hang them high in the streets. Where did drag queens come from? <laughs> come on. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. My name is Sam Mealy. My name is Hunter Young. And we are the Sons, Sons of, of Liberty. Liberty. All right. So this is the sort of podcast. Uh, Hunter, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I, I myself, we are, we are from New England. We're, we hail from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. You're a little bit off Cape, but we'll just save Cape well, Cod. It's close enough. It's close enough. It's recognizable. So we uh, we we started. We wanted to start this podcast because we are young uh, Christian conservatives who are kind of fed up with the state of our culture, especially here in New England. We it it is a a spiritually and and politically. I'd say apathetic and dead area of the country. We're kind of New England's kind of just like shoved up into the corner of the country, and nobody seems to care about us. The the mainstream media keeps our attention on the rest of the country, while you know, and then while the left is silently taking over New England for the past like sixty years or whatever. So we wanted to do this podcast to basically uh, re I don't know revive the spirit of America. Yeah, well, we want people in all areas, conservatives who feel like. They're stuck, and they're just—they're in a liberal area. They're in Massachusetts. They're in California. They're in wherever it may be. We want to inspire them that they have a voice, no matter where they're at, and that they can just do political things, be involved, yeah. no matter where they are. And um, that's what we want. Why to do. do you think that it's—it's it's so interesting to me? I'm curious what you think, Hunter, because um, obviously we were both like classically trained in our schooling, and we we both studied the American founding, and it really—it started here. The, like the, the American founding started here, you know, on the back of a Massachusetts license plate. It says the spirit of America. We are the spirit of America is New England, this area. So why do you think, Hunter, why why is New England of all places been lost to the radical left that hates American history that with and it is it, with through a Marxist worldview? Why do you think that? Yeah, it's an interesting question because we were one of the, the first states to outlaw slavery. We were one of the first. We were very that might have. I don't know where it started to the point where we we went so far off the rails because then we were doing we were doing good and that was really the theme of America was we were very very conservative we were very focused on the constitution very focused on I mean the Massachusetts constitution was written before the US constitution and we were inspiring the rest of the country we were the start of the revolution here we were like the the bad little brother kind of we were riling things up, getting started when the other states were afraid. Yeah. And um, it's kind of weird that we've just sat back. And I think a big problem we have now is a lot of people are just moving away. The conservatives just leave. They're moving mm. to Florida, wherever, or Florida, Texas. Tennessee, yeah. Texas. They're just yeah. leaving. And I think that we've been having that trend for a while. And um, So what is the Christian conservative's response when they li- – how should a Christian conservative live – uh, act when they live in such a godless leftist area like well, we New just England. we got to be the, the city on a hill like we've got to step it up and be more involved like the the churches that's one of the things that the churches have completely given up um their their government the church is a form of government and we've ceded everything we've ceded the education to the civil government that's one of the biggest things is in these states like there's places in like cape cod is relatively conservative Compared to the rest most of the, conservative county in Massachusetts. Yeah, so it's like when you give up these the education of your children to these people who are educated in liberal universities, what are you going to expect 
your children to end up like. Yeah. So the churches have given up that education and the families and the parents have given up that education to the state. Mm. And that's where we're at. Because I don't think that majority of people agree with the woke stuff that goes on. I think they just sit back and let it happen. Yeah, no, I don't think so. There's a local high school in our area that has litter boxes for those who identify as dogs or cats and want to use a litter box instead of a regular restroom. So our, for some reason, our Ivy League universities, which there are a ton, out of all the Ivy League schools, there are a lot in New England. Yeah. So that, that will be an interesting conversation to get into over the course of these podcasts to really discuss the state of academia. Uh, and I'd love to get guests on who are, who are familiar with the state of you know academia, especially here in New England, because we're known for be being very you know snobby and uppity uppity, like you know Harvard, whatever, rich. like rich and annoying, annoying, yeah, yeah. basically. Uh, I no, I forgot the question though. What was I going to ask you? Some about academia. What you were saying about academia and how are you asking how it got there, how it got to be so liberal? That's a deep question. If that's what you're asking. I was using that as like a sidebar to go into another question, but sure, let's talk about that. Why? Why do you think academia is so liberal? I think that part of it is intellectuals have a tendency to be atheists and tend to have a lot of pride. And I think that's a big point is, is they're not willing to humble themselves to a moral standard and they're only able to see from the lens of, of atheism and of a lack of morality. So when they get when you get secular humanism mixed with atheism, you get a recipe for disaster in academia of people who think that they're smart and that they know everything. And that's what I think you got if you get a PhD next to your name or a doctorate degree, you're going to think you're going to have some pride probably. You're going to think not, not everyone obviously, but I think that that's what we're seeing is the atheists are um, taking over the intellectual crowd. And I think a majority, there's statistics that show the majority of college professors are atheists. And I think we, we think that we assume atheists are going to have a similar moral standard to conservatives and Christians because we assume, oh, well, People just know what's wrong. Yeah. People know right and wrong, and that's so not true. Well, that was the lie of the of the old conservative movement coming th – uh, excuse me, the old atheist movement coming through the 1900s was that we don't need God. Religion keeps you bound. You know, it, it often used – you know, people like Sam Harris, they'll often use the example of, of Islam, of how it's very oppressive towards women, um, which it is. But that's another – that's a whole other conversation. Who was it? There, was but it he was basically talking about um, – he used that as an example to say religion is bad. It, it can it, it holds you in. It it doesn't allow you to be your true self. We know right and wrong ap, uh, without religion. We don't need religion to understand right and wrong. Or science somehow or, can teach us or right science. and wrong. Yeah, and, and well, that's another thing. Science has become the god to atheists, data and statistics. But the issue is, is that now that it was it wasn't true when you remove religion. When you remove moral standards, it then leaves room for anarcho tyranny, for chaos, because people there there is there is no right and wrong. Because who would have thought you actually need God in a society? Yeah. You need God preached in a society in order for the in order for right and wrong to be adhered to. Yeah, whether well, that be in well, every institution, the church, uh, the uh, politics, the corporate boardrooms, schools. But when you lose that, you lose right and wrong, and then you have people running around saying, oh, I'm a man and I'm pregnant. Like, yeah. that's that's the conclusion we've come to. <laughs> when you take God out of schools, when you take God out of culture, when God was banned from America, we get men saying they're pregnant. That That yeah. is the natural conclusion. Well, and another thing with the colleges, too, is is 
where is the money coming from? You got to follow the money. That's a big part of it. Is you look at Soros. Soros, dude, is, baby Soros, dude. Soros, dude. He's funding. He's been funding <laughs> all the colleges. Let's. Um, and that's the thing. He, another another atheist, secular humanist who who thinks that we should uh, advance whatever they believe is best for the human race, which it's evolu- It's Darwinian evolution. George Soros, in an interview, said that he considers himself a god because he is intelligent. Really? He's been able to make money. Okay. So he considers himself on par with a god. So if you, that's the thing. If you, if you abandon God, you won't believe uh, nothing. You'll believe in anything. I think that's a G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton but if you quote. believe you are God, that you follow that to its logical conclusion, then everybody else is not God. Therefore, they are subordinate to you and must listen to what you say because you are the arbiter of truth. You know right from wrong. So therefore, everyone must listen to me, which explains George Soros's uh, very um, overreaching tactics. Yeah, well, of, like with one his of the money, that I guess. I think it's really evolution plays a huge part of the way that the education system, because it's been it's been the majority view for however many hundred years now, evolution that, among, yeah. among scientists. Um, and I don't think people realize the harmful effects it has. Telling you that the original Darwin's book the, on the origin of species. People don't like to say the full title and the superiority of races. He he was racist. He was a white supremacist. He believed that black people were inferior to white people. Really? Yes. That's what that's what Darwin believed. Okay. And that's why you see people like Hitler quoted Darwin in Mein Kampf hmm. and said that Jews were inferior because they had certain features that were not conducive to reproduction and not conducive to intelligence. Huh. That's very interesting. So, are you saying that a majority of like the tyrants, the communist uh, dictators of the twentieth century, did did they all get their views from Darwin, or were they influenced from Darwin, or were some just like power hungry? Some were just power hungry. Like, well, even the thing is, Stalin tried to outlaw Christianity because he knew the threat that it would be to his what he wanted, um, to his rule of, of communism and his rule of it wasn't even really communism at its heart. It was dictatorship is really what he, what he yeah. wanted. I, so I think people have used um, Darwinism to say, well, you know, I'm here. I know it's right. Like, I'm smarter. I've, I've been given a bigger brain by the, the evolution gods. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I know it's right, and I'm, I should be ruling the government. You know, I should just be. That's what people like in all these dictatorship states, like Kim Jong-un, they worship Kim Jong-un as God. So I think it all ties back to this whole point that if you don't believe in God, and if you as a society abandon God, something else is going to become God. The The most famous person, the most intelligent person, the biggest person, the person who can usurp the most power is going to become the God of your culture. Okay, so let's, let's bring it back. So how as Christians, how as conservatives, people who love our country, who fight for the culture, who fight politically, because this, this podcast is not just about culture. We're also going to be talking about politics. Uh, we're both proud conservatives. Um, how do we as Christian conservatives in America, how do we keep those sorts of tyrants? I mean, it's more difficult in America because there are no kings, it's representatives, but still we have those sorts of issues. How do we as Christian conservatives in America fight back or at least hold the line against those who seek to usurp power and take control away from the citizenry? In, and, and and combine it all into a central government. How do we fight against that? Like I practical think, ways. I mean, the biggest thing is we got to look at what 
our founding fathers did because they did the same thing. They were dealing with, they had a, a sort of represent right here, New England, baby, let's go representative form of government. But there was a king here, a thousand miles, however many miles Great Britain is. I don't know. I just made that <laughs> up. However far it is across the pond, ocean big across the ocean, across the pond. Um, however far they are, they had this king who was just ignoring the laws that were already in place, which is why one of our biggest focuses is going to be going back to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we need to say, hey, these principles of why do we have rights in the first place, those come from God. We need to acknowledge that and say, we need to get our ducks in a row and say, hey, hey this is what we believe. Because I think that that's the problem is we need, we're not educating our kids as Christians. And our churches aren't educating their kids. They're assuming that, the as going back, the public education system is going to give them a foundation for truth and morality, which it's not. So we need to say, listen, we're Christians. We believe in God. We believe the Bible is the word of God. We, just, we need to go line upon line, precept by precept, and say, okay, what do we believe about this area of life? That's the point. The Bible has something to say about every area of life. We have Christians have believed a lie that somehow, oh, well, you know, I go to church on Sunday, but, you know, the rest of my life is like my job is my job. My other things are separate from my Christianity, which is such a lie. So I think that's the issue. I think we need to really, we need to stop compartmentalizing. There you go. Yeah. Our Christianity and say, no, we believe that God has something to say about everything that you do mm. and, and, and speak it and speak the truth in love because that's what Jesus says to do. What, what does God say about politics? What does the Bible say about politics? Well, the Bible... To quote, I know that's a broad question, yeah, but to pick quote, a specific... To quote somebody, I don't know who. The Bible is the great political textbook. And God lays out a foundation for government in, um, in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus. And there's principles that we can draw from that and say, represent, that's where representative form of government comes from the Old Testament. The Old Testament wasn't... They say, oh, well, there was kings and there was tyranny and there was all this... But it was actually, it wasn't God who instituted the king in Israel. The people wanted a king because the rest of the nations around them all had kings. And they said, well, we want to be like the rest of the world. Yeah. And I think that that's, in the, we're in a similar place as we're saying to God, well, you know, we just, we want to have, we want to live like the rest of the world, but we want to have you at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest part is we don't preach holiness in churches. And we don't say, no, there is a standard. So we need to, what the biggest thing is we need to live by example. And... Like you, you like we're gonna we can get into the financial aspect because you love that. Um, but the biggest thing is we need to walk the walk, and I think that that's the point is you can't expect God to bless what you're doing if you're not walking the walk and you're just giving him lip service every Sunday. Mm, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw something on uh, what was it Instagram or whatever. It was like uh, you can't you can't get spiritually fit if you only work out once a week. You yeah. know, like you can't you gotta you gotta do it every day. You gotta open the Word every morning. Um, which, funny enough, I, I forgot to do that this morning, but I so I gotta do that. Yeah. Keep us accountable, brothers. Keep us accountable. Anyways. Yeah. So God, God laid out a plan for politics in the Old Testament. I, I know a lot of Christians. I hear this from a lot of Protestant evangelicals. They'll say, "Well, that's the Old Testament. Then we have the New Covenant now. So a lot of the things in the Old Testament don't apply. Are there examples in the New Testament of those Old Testament principles, or is that objection, you know, BS?" And do those things still still apply? Well, I think it's both. And I think there is things in the New Testament that, like Jesus says, Jesus focuses on the internal in terms of internal government. I think that's kind of what the point I was trying to get to is that if we don't have self-government, 
we can't expect the civil government to be good if we don't govern ourselves properly. Yeah. So like we need to be responsible for, hey, you know, we're taking care of, I'm taking care of my household. I'm working. Like if you're a Christian and you're not working, what are you doing? Like yeah. you're living off of a government check for what? When God has commanded you to work. Like Jesus, or and, uh, it's not Jesus, Paul in the New Testament said, if you don't work, neither should you eat. So we need to live out that principle and say, hey, let's let's get to work. Let's Let's go do things. Let's go build the kingdom of God. Let's go take dominion. Because that's what God defines it as in the Old Testament is work is taking dominion over the earth mm-hmm. and making it more unified and unity in, in accordance with God's nature. Um, what was the original question you asked me? Because I want to get back to the... Yeah, point. well, I, I want to I say something about um, what you said about self-government. You mentioned how do you expect the government to act a certain way if you yourself, if we as Christians, we have to hold ourselves to higher standards than the rest of the world. We as Christians won't even act the same way. Like if the government is $31 trillion in debt or however much it is now, and we get like all up in arms about that. Like, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they didn't stick to the budget. Okay, you saying, who? yeah, you're you're saying that, but you have like a massive mortgage and two car loans and like $40,000 in student loans. The average is $30,000, I believe, in the in the United States. So what I'm saying is like, if you expect the your government to act a certain way, you got you to gotta start by governing yourself and and fix yourself act a certain act how you want other people to act you know treat the the golden golden rule rule. you know treat others the way you want to be treated it's 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 a give and take um so i love i love that answer jesus talked about the internal yeah jesus talked about the internal because that's a form we 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 say that we think that the civil government is the only form of government in america and around the world in general talk about that what are the other forms of government well there's well first the, the family as Vivek Ramaswamy said, is the greatest. Swami, mommy. He said, the, "What does he say? The nuclear family is the greatest form of governance in yeah the world." Known to man, or whatever. Yeah, known to yeah. man. So you got the family, you've got the church, you've got the economic sector, you've got the civil government. There's four. I know that there's there's basically five, but and then there's there's God's government, which is the church. So I'm yeah. I'm missing. The Aristotle one. talked about yeah. the uh, the different levels of government. It started between the husband and the wife. In yeah. the marriage well, unit. Well, it's the individual, it, it's the family, it's the church, it's the n- civil government, and then it's the economy. Yeah, so yes, technically. Yeah. I But yeah. Aristotle talked about, I believe it It started as the family, uh, it started as the marriage, and then the family unit, and then the, the village. So you have the, you know, Hillary Clinton. local community. Hillary Clinton. It takes a village. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> no, you've, got, you've got the village, and then you've got the city, and then the, and then the state. So it, it works it's out. It's bottom he, up. It's it's a bottom up form yeah. of government, and he I believe Aristotle was talking about that in terms of economy, how like how the city you need a city in order to create certain things that will sustain the villages, but then you also need the villages to sustain to sustain the cities with things like food and farming, which we see that in America. Yeah. You know the, the the states in the middle of the country tend to are the are the ones that feed the uh, feed the all the all the well populated cities on the coasts, and then those other cities provide services to those. Uh, to the middle states, so right. it's it's a give and take. Yeah. So to bring it back, you you said, well, well, what do Christians and conservatives do? That's what we need to focus on. That first form of government, which is the family, yeah. and say, as for me and my family, we'll serve. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord, mm-hmm. and say, regardless of what the world is doing, regardless of what the government looks like, we have obligations to God, and that's what we're gonna do. And I think that we, in, in instead of doing that, what we're doing now is we're looking. Oh, well, who can I vote in to fix every problem? Oh, if Trump's in, then everything's good. If Biden's in, then everything's bad. 
which is not true because Trump obviously is just one person. So we're ignoring all the other things. And we even even we say, oh, if the Republicans have the House and the Senate and the presidency, America will, will prosper and, and flourish. And it's like, no, if the people are still corrupt, if the church is still living in sin, then, you're, then none of these problems are going to go away because there's 350 million people in America and there's, what, 600 people in Congress, not even, 535, whatever it is. So you're going to expect 535 people to fix the problems of 350 million? It's not going to work. No. So to, so to, to say that is to say that we as Christians, we need to say, what is wrong in, in my heart? What am I doing that is not in line with the standard that God has set before? That's why education is so important. We need to know what God's standard says. We need to know what the word says. Um, we need to be skilled in the word of truth, as it says in Hebrews. And that's the issue we have is that we're not skilled in the word of truth. We're not skilled in, in righteousness. And we don't, we don't practice righteousness like you said with the analogy of working out. Mm-hmm. We need to work out our faith. And say no. This is what we believe. This is how we live. And they say no. We don't go to. We don't let our kids go to parties and go drink and, and go have sex with a bunch of people. We say no. We're going to be at home. You're going to be reading your Bible. This is your duty to God. That's what religion is: giving to God what is due to Him. That's at its most basic form is what religion is. Mm-hmm. So we need to say, we need to ask ourselves the hard questions and say, what am I doing in my life that is not aligned with the Word of God? And go after it and say. I can't expect the world to change unless my heart is changed. Yeah, but it's not an overnight fix. We get, we as Christians, and I, I know I've fallen into this trap, is we, as, even as conservatives, I'll use the uh, political analogy, analogy. Like you were saying, oh, if we just win the next election, everything will be fine. Like you're saying, not true. It's a long-term process. If, ever, if the left thought like that, if the left thought like, oh, if we'll just win the next election, that would not, they would not, be in control of every single institution as they are right now. You know what they did instead is they stopped really caring. I'm not caring. They do care. But they put a majority of their money into institutions. Uh, A famous Marxist, I can't remember his name, but he called it the long march through the institutions. They went through the, they started in academia and colleges. That spread to politics, into into the corporate boardroom. And then now as teachers teaching it to our high schoolers and and uh, middle schoolers, and even into kindergarten, these Marxist, godless, woke ideas. We were uh, us as Christians. We're we're like, where where did drag queens come from? They just came out of nowhere. Where did this come from? No, it's been a long, slow march through the institutions, starting in the early 1900s, uh, climaxing with the sexual revolution in the 60s, and then we are seeing the remnants of it. We are seeing the the uh, after effects. We're we're basically experiencing the aftershocks of the earthquake that was. The, the 1960s sexual revolution. And we're, it, we're going to experience this until the church stops being passive, until pastors stop being weak, and they stand up and actually preach the word of God, they preach repentance, and they call our nation back to the Lord. And we cry out for mercy to God for, for the slaughter of the millions of babies since Roe v. Wade, and for the, the rejection of one man, one woman, and for the rejection of... of uh, God's design for marriage. So we have to we have to think of it in terms of a long game. Yeah. There's not going to be an overnight fix, not with an election. Not, there's not going to be one big revival that just fixes everything. Because I know we're praying for revival. We're trying to get that here in New England. 
But that's just the starting point. We're, we're planting the seeds right now. There's a lot of Christians in a lot of states right now that are doing a really, really good job of planting seeds. And now it, it, it's up to God to water those seeds and to grow them, but it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a long time. So we got to be patient and we got to work hard. We got to be diligent. We got to keep going every single day. And I believe if we do the right things, God will bless us. It's not a prosperity gospel thing. It's just it, God punishes those he loves. God punishes his children. Chastises. Chastises. But at the same time, yeah. I, I truly believe that he will bless those who do good and he will bless those who honor him. And that, that's yeah, what we're striving at, you for. You look at the Beatitudes, he says, you can pull them up probably to quote them right, but um, like, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So there's there's an opposite reaction to everything that you do. And I think that that's what we, we just assume that um, God is like a magical, mystical God. We assume that things are just going to, you know, his spirit just randomly decides to do things randomly throughout history and there's no method to it. There's no kind of, it's just, Oh, God decided to save us, so we're saved. Yeah. Like, do we think that God thinks like that? Really? And I think that we do. We think that God is just random. Oh, well, God, please just work in my heart. But we're like, oh, I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not going to do the things it takes yeah. to actually do it. So I mm -hmm. think that we're going to have to acknowledge that what it takes is doing the hard thing. And as men, we've taken the easy path and, and let the sexual revolution happen. Let our daughters go into it instead of saying, no, you're my daughter. I'm going to discipline you as my daughter, as my son, and say, you're not going to go sleep with these, these girls. You're not going to go sleep with these guys. You're not going to go do these things. We need, that's one of the things, too, is disciplining, church discipline, family discipline. We've, we've lost discipline as a culture. That's one of the biggest things that made America so great was that we, dis, we had discipline. Public execution. Public execution. <laughs> Bring it back. Let's go. Hang them high in the streets. Come on. That's what we got, but that's but seriously oh though is is I mean, we don't spank our kids anymore. Make oh spanking gosh. great again, dude. We're gonna make the millennial moms mad. You can't be talking about spanking around your dog. <laughs> I know, dude. Oh my god. That's the thing. Americans were known for having the best work ethic. They were known for their conviction. They were known for their fire, their passion, and they didn't get that from some sort of magic. They got it by disciplining themselves and submitting submit yourselves therefore to god and the devil will flee from you mm. and people like to say um what's that verse the ver there's something before the verse that people for people forget to submit yourself to god mm. what does that actually look like submitting yourself to god no god i've been wrong and i think that that's one of the things that we hesitate to do as christians is we want to look to the left and say oh the left is corrupt the left is ugh, they're doing all these bad things look at all the the sexual immorality, look at all these things that are going on. But we, again, we don't look at the things in our own life. We don't, we're, we have, like Jesus said, if before you take out the log, what we need to do is to say as Christians is say, before we take out the log out of the left side, because they've got a log, mm -hmm. we've got to acknowledge the, the thing that's in our eye as, as conservatives and yeah. say, what am I doing that's wrong in my life? Because yeah. you have self-responsibility. It's our thing. Yeah. It's We're known for it. It's taking, you know, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. We're known for that. Yeah. Like, take responsibility for your actions and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's this thing that uh, Kirk Cameron says. Is he says, uh, Christless conservatism is meaningless, basically. It's nothing. Yeah. You can't you can't be, because there's, there's a lot of conservatives who, are, who aren't Christians, and to expect there to be change. And it's like, you're living a, a schizophrenic life. Yeah. It's like, can't expect the change to happen when 
you're not living the way that you want to see the rest of the world live. It's like, it, it doesn't make sense. And that's where you get these Republicans who have been in there for so long who claim to be conservatives that you can tell they, they won't even talk about God. They won't even bring up God. And that's why, why nothing gets done. Because you just, you have no, you have no, nothing to stand on. You have no foundation. And that's the biggest thing that, that Jesus brings, I think, that no other worldview can bring. Like, the left can't bring it. The right can't bring it. Jesus is the rock. Mm. And if we build everything out of the rock, we build our politics on the rock, we build our family on the rock, we build our individual lives on the rock, then we're going to see that cultural change. And until we do the simple thing, which is yourself, I'm going to keep saying it over and over again, is until you fix yourself, you Jordan Peterson, clean your room. Yeah. It's the same concept. Is yeah. it's a, it's the thing that we I think we know, but we just it's comfortable to not do it. Mm. And if you want to live in comfort, you're gonna see all these things continue to happen. If you want to live comfortably, and and then eventually, it's gonna come after you, and and you might be thrown in jail for your faith if you, if it continues the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Kirk, a mentor of mine, um, founder of Turning Point USA, he said that uh, if we don't fight for the church now, if the church doesn't stand up now because because we're so concerned because we say oh we only preach the gospel well you're going to be preaching the gospel from jail cells yeah some are called to that and that is uh from at at a as a heavenly from a heavenly perspective that is a high calling to be persecuted for the name of Christ but still why would we let it get there why just let it get there because i know it might say well you know Christ you know when when persecution happens the church comes back to god Historically, that is true. Uh, the most thriving churches tend to be in the most uh, in the countries that hate Christianity the most. But but why would we let it get there? Why would you let? I don't believe God is calling people into harm's way. Like no. why why would you you as a man you might say I'm fine with persecution. I'm not fine with my wife or my kids with persecution. Yeah. Like why? I I'm not just going to subject them to that. Why? Why would I be passive and not protect them from that? That you know, I'm talking hypothetically. I don't have a wife or kids, but like I'm saying, as a as a culture, as Christians, soon. as Christian men, soon. That's right. As Christian men, it's our job to be like God has put us here to protect and provide for our families. Why are we just going to let that? Why? Why? Me thinking about my future generations. Why am I just going to allow them by not fighting? To grow up under a communist authoritarian authoritarian dictatorship, yeah. like why? I think the biggest thing is is we have a wrong view of Jesus. I think that's what it comes down to. Is we have a view of hip, uh, Jesus as the hippie, the hippie Jesus. Oh, I just love everyone, man. You know, just you know, I'm just here to love. And but the thing is, what does love actually look like? Is love letting the the person do whatever they want? No, love is saying, hey, what you're doing is about to kill you. And I think that that's the thing that we've missed. As, as Christians, as we've said, oh, well, you know, my neighbor, you know, they're involved in drugs, they're in, involved in sexual immorality. You know, I'm just going to love them. I'm going to, like, drop them off a cake. Like, I'm going to bake them a cake and, and go, like, have dinner with them and, and be nice to them. But we, we don't go the extra mile to say, hey, you're living a life that leads to destruction, that leads to death. I don't want you to die. Say that to your neighbor. Say, I don't want you to die. I want you to come along with me in paradise. But we, we, we do this thing where we just in the in the in the um name of niceness. Yeah, the it's of, it's the eleventh commandment, be yeah. thou shalt be nice. Yeah, yeah, and it's like no. There's a time when you gotta say, Hey, let's go, come on. 
let's get up, get up, let's let's do this thing. Like you see what's going on in the world, you know what's wrong, and I think that's the biggest thing is we're just not saying that as Christians. We're not saying that there is a hell. You have there's statistics that show that like the decreasing number of Christians who believe in hell, but they believe in heaven, hmm. and it's like we we assume that everyone is just going to heaven, and we assume that everyone knows the truth. We assume that everyone is sort of just kind of doing fine. Yeah. When in reality, you talk to people on the street, people aren't doing fine. No. Generally, they're not. And they're looking for answers. And we have the answer. We have the greatest answer that you could possibly give, the creator of the universe. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. So Hunter's 18, I'm 18, we're Generation Z. And I and I and as I've um, been doing activism, conservative activism, what I've noticed and what I've come to believe is that our generation, we are starving for truth. We are hungry for truth. We are searching for answers. The older generations generations will look look at our generation and be like, oh, they're so stupid. They think there's more than two genders. <laughs> what the heck is wrong with They are insane. They think they can be a boy just because they feel like it. What? Or a That's cat. So cr- or a cat because they feel like it. That's so crazy. But you got to understand where we're coming from. We are so desperate to feel something. We are so desperate for meaning. That's good. We are we are we are a a broken and dead generation. We just want to feel something. And we believe and most of our generation has bought the lie of the that the devil has fed them with all of these different ideologies and 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 things that 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 the world and the devil says this will make you happy. This will make you fulfilled. When in when in the end it just leads to destruction. So we as as Christians Gen Zers have the responsibility to tell the rest of our generation and to tell you guys, maybe you're listening, maybe you're struggling with this, is that there is an answer. There is another way. Yeah. And that's yeah. Jesus Christ. That's not that's not transgenderism, that's not Marxism, not even necessarily politics or conservatism or being a Republican. That it's it's Jesus Christ. Yeah. Love your neighbor, love God, love your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we would say that we we should say to people who because I do genuinely believe in my heart, like I don't know the statistics, but I believe that most people agree that the way the world is going is negative. I think even that's one of the things Republicans and Democrats yeah. both believe that the path of America is negative. What we need to do is we need to say, look, we've abandoned God as a country. When you abandon God, you're going to get all these crazy things and that's what's going to happen. So we need to bring the sheep back to their fold in a sense, like, mm-hmm. like Jesus wants to see. And say, no, the only way we get radical change, the only way that we go back, conservatism is to conserve what was in the past. The good, the true, and the beautiful. Exactly. And we can say, like, we will move forward because there is a good progressivism in terms of fixing things that are wrong because there's always imperfection in humans. We need to say, listen, we have the answer as Christians. We have the answer. It's not a politician. It's not a party. It's not a movement it's jesus and that's it and that's the only thing that is going to be the answer to any of your problems in your own life and in the in the world yeah we, so yeah we want revival in new england we're fighting for that we're, we're fighting for institutional change but that starts like we've been saying that starts with self-government that starts with yourself and you can only govern yourself properly with the holy spirit of god in you and you can only get the holy spirit of god in you is if you repent of your sin and believe in jesus christ as your lord and savior that is the only way. And that's the starting point. Those are the seeds that we're trying to plant. And then from there, that will blossom and that will grow into correct uh, Christly institutions. That's not a theocracy. Yeah. 
where we shove our the Christianity down everybody's throats. No, it's a it is a understanding that regardless of your religion, there is a moral standard that we can all agree on that will govern New England and the rest of America. Yeah. <laughs> so if there's one thing that you get from the podcast, Christ is Lord. Amen. That's it. That's the goal of our podcast is to to show that Christ is Lord not only over your heart and over the universe. But over every minute, every little detail, Christ should be Lord if you're a Christian. And at the end of the day, if you're not, he is a judge, and he is going to judge every evil and wicked deed. Mm-hmm. And we believe that. We can't just say, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to say that God's going to judge you, and he's going to, but it's going to happen. We can't, we can't lie. If you're about to get hit by a car, we want to tell you. Yeah. And so that's, that's where we're at. That's, that's where our heart is, and that's what... We, we don't want to hold anything back. Like, we want to speak the truth in love. But we're saying that because what Christ has called the world to is so much greater than all the things that it's stuck in. He doesn't want you to ju- He doesn't want to... He's not telling you, oh, you're bad. You're just... Oh, look at you, you sinner. That's not what we're saying. We're saying, look. Look at the God of the universe. Look at what the things that he's, like, called you... Like, you get to have your own business. You get to have a family and 10 kids. And... Get to do these amazing things. You get to and, live in the freest country in the history of the world. Yeah, and it's it's a blessing. Yeah. We should we should preserve that, and we should want to preserve that, and preserve Christ, and yeah. say, listen, this is what we believe in. I think that's the biggest thing that our, our podcast as as we go forward is we want to say, Christ is Lord. How does that impact X, Y, and Z? And that's it. That's all it has to. Be. We can't look at it from a lens of, oh, what does Republicanism say? What does McCarthyism say yeah. what does capitalism <laughs> say it's like no what does Jesus say and if anything goes against that we've got something to figure out yeah so dude what a great first podcast this is the first one we're gonna cut it a little bit short uh but guys I our name is the sons of Liberty we we got that from uh, Samuel Adams in the 1700s who started that is a is a uh, it was a youth it was a youth movement a youth centered yeah. movement because there was there was people 15, 16, 17, 18, that we're like, hey, we're fired up. We're fired up about liberty. We're fired up about freedom. We believe God has a calling to us to preserve liberty and freedom in this nation. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to see it go down the tubes. And that was what the Sons of Liberty was about. And that's what we're about, is we're about God can bring the change, and he will bring the change. It's just up to his people to do it. To do the work. To do yeah. the work. He's called he, us to it. It's time for us to do the work. Yeah, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. He died for us. We got to die for him. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Amen. So, as we close, that's what that's what we uh, that's what we're all about. We're about Christ, and that's it. All right. Thanks, guys. We're gonna, we'll see you.